Hello, everyone, and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 38th episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I am your host, Zach Pensack, digitally alongside my friend, Adam Goffin. Adam, how are you in the comfort of your own homes tonight? Uh, footy, Zach. Arsenal undefeated in 2020. Footy. Hottest team in the Premier League, as we all predicted going into the new decade, Arsenal Football Club, rapidly rising up the table, now sitting in the lofty position of ninth. So as as, as we see time and time again, you can go on a great run of form and, and not really move too much. But uh, yeah, Arsenal's looking great at the moment, aren't they? Uh, doing pretty well. They're only seven points off the Champions League places right now, my friend. So um, you, know, you never know. Arteta's doing a good job there. He is doing a good job there. Um, maybe uh, maybe he'll keep the job in the summer. I mean, I, I guess there wasn't a ton of talk of you know them replacing him. It seemed like it was a long time hire, but you often do see that with mid or mid uh, season hires getting getting them replaced in the summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good move for Arsenal. I think they brought in somebody who um, who has got a lot of history at the club, who's played alongside some of those players as well. You think about the Ozils, he's played alongside them in, in the side previously. So, um, great relationships there, and it's paying dividends now. Yeah. So so the Gooners looking great at the moment. Um, and yeah, for for the pod today, we will be resorting back to our traditional structure. We'll kind of kind of keep the spotlight episodes uh, a bit more varied. So going back to the top through bottom through the table, uh, going one through 20 and then into the predictions, into the microphone moments. Um, armchair pundits in 1090. So keeping it pretty simple this week, Adam. Uh, it's a, it's a late night episode for both of us. So uh, I know that we're we're not gonna we're not gonna be diving into a two three hour episode as we've dreamed of. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's gonna be a little bit more of an abridged version of the False Nines this week. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's late at night, um, and I need my beauty sleep. If uh, if anything were ever true, that's true, Zach. Yeah, if if you're going to keep the the aesthetic that you have going, you're going to have to get some slumber. So without any further ado, let's hop right into it. Top of the table, who else but Liverpool Liverpool Football Club? Uh, Maybe the biggest scare of the season so far uh, against West Ham of all teams. Except when Jetro Willems banged one in at Anfield and we went 1-0 up and subsequently lost 3-1, I would say I would agree that's probably the biggest scare that they've had all season. Uh, what a game, though. Uh, wasn't really expecting anything from West Ham after their inept performance against City a few weeks back, but they came in and they had a good game plan. They stuck to it. They were 2-1 up with about half an hour to go, and um, credit to Liverpool. They did what Liverpool always does this season. Yeah, um, I, I have a friend, my roommate actually is a uh, uh, born-again West Ham fan, and he sent me a text message um, in what, maybe the, the 60th minute, and he was just like, this this can't be actually happening, and I, I hadn't looked at the score and texted him back, and I was like, uh, unfortunately, I've watched enough football to know that Liverpool will without a doubt be scoring two goals in fairly rapid succession this game. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it was the case uh, Salah and Mane giving them the victory there and, and keeping that perfect record so another impressive win and, and more goalkeeping woe for West Ham we'll get to them later but I thought Fabianski had a stinker in this game um, probably you could blame him for all three goals um, and certainly the second goal with um, with Mo Salah's shot I think it went straight through his legs. It was a mm-hmm. tough one as a goalkeeper to, to have the stomach. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's been a, a, a kind of a subplot of West Ham season is nothing has gone right uh, between the sticks for them. So uh, definitely, definitely a heartbreaking loss. Um, but Liverpool keeps on cooking. So uh, and not extending uh, that lead at the top of the table as Man City also got a victory in their last match. Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, City are playing pretty well right now. Um, pretty solid form. Uh, I'm really curious to see how the April the 5th game goes at home to Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool probably won't drop any any points b- between now and then, but that's going to be one that I think City will be well up for. Um, and then City obviously have a two-legged fixture to look forward to against Real Madrid as well in the Champions League. Yeah, it'll be odd that April 5th match because, you know, for all intents and purposes, you'll have to assume... You, you assume that Liverpool will have the title locked up by then, I think. Like, I'm doing some quick mental math, and there will probably, you know, we're, we're, at, we're at 27 matches now. By April 5th, it'll probably be closer to what? About 31 matches? So, uh, seven to go, uh, 21 points on the table, and Liverpool up 22 at the moment. Uh, so, it could be an interesting match. It could be kind of a... Uh, you know, a match that doesn't have any any meaning in the table, but a bit of a pride match for the Man City players. Yeah, I think so. And uh, speaking of the Champions League a few moments ago, I think I want to touch on the, the victory for City today. And then obviously the um, the two-year ban that was announced um, last week. Mm. I think they're two really big stories. So uh, let's start with the ban. So City banned for shady dealings in the transfer market um, from the Champions League for two seasons. Um, Pep is appealing it. Um, the club is appealing it. Pep is standing by the club themselves for basically saying that, you know, they feel like they've done everything the right way. Um, so he said he's sticking around. He's not going anywhere. Uh, if, they, if they're out of the Champions League for two years, though, I, I would find it hard to believe that some of those players would stick around with the limited shelf life that you have as a, career, as a professional footballer. And then as a result of that, what a game today for City, winning 2-1 at Real Madrid. Two away goals, um, bringing it back to Manchester in a couple of weeks, and you know, re- really no reason why they shouldn't be getting through to the next round now. Yeah, absolutely. Sergio Ramos also getting a red card in that match, which is obviously going to be hugely influential in mm-hmm. the second leg. Um, yeah, I, I think that going on the ban, uh, it, it, you know, the the process of appeals is always an interesting one to keep your eye on. Things don't seem to really take effect until all the all the court cases and all the kind of legal side of it has uh, concluded. So we'll, we'll see what the ban ends up being. But I agree with you. I think that. Um, you know, like you said, I think you put it perfectly. Shelf life of a player can always be so short. And we've seen with so many players throughout the years uh, that, you know, one injury can really derail a world class career. So I, I think that playing in the Champions League is obviously a, you know, a high, high priority for these players. And I, I could certainly see some people leaving the summer. But uh, yeah, I guess to bring it full circle, uh, I I think City will go through. I, I, I about. I guess a couple episodes ago, two or three episodes ago, I picked City to win the Champions League this year. I so. think I picked City to win the Champions League, my friend. I think really? that was myself that did that. You might be you might be misremembering that one. Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe we both did. You know, <laughs> well, either way, it doesn't like it. I think even good. more so now. I think I, I, I believe that that's probably going to be the case this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, just well, just because that's, I think that's, they're, really, they're, that's the only thing that Pep wants to do left with Man City, right? Yeah, very, very... Very courageous pick uh, to pick them now going into the second leg, coming back at home with the Real Madrid captain out. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> it'll be interesting. I I also think there's some really interesting kind of subplots to this as well. When you think about UEFA 
Um, and the fact that they've really kind of decided, you know, there's been, you know, racism in the game before where there's been fines and stuff, but to ban a team like a powerhouse like Man City from the Champions League for two years, if this goes to appeal and City win, like I, UEFA will have zero credibility moving forward. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all pans out. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how it works out. Yeah, it does kind of have that smell of a, a scapegoat type operation where, where UF is trying to make an example of Man City. But I don't know. I just there's not a ton of rhyme or reason or consistency to the crackdowns that UEFA puts in place. Right, exactly. And we had Chelsea with the transfer ban. Now we've got City with the Champions League ban. So it's no consistency to your point. Yeah, and maybe just a uh, maybe just a prejudice against English English clubs. That that might be the only consistency we can see. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, so going on to third in the table, Leicester really right now hanging on by a thread to uh, a Champions League spot. It, it's been a really poor run of form for them, really since the turn of the year. Um, it seems like a, a little bit of a theory that I have, and there's not really you know much in, in the news to support this, but I, I just have this weird feeling that when Jamie Vardy picked up an injury, I think it was mid-December, and he missed a couple matches and was subsequently sat, I, I feel like there's something still there. And I feel like there is some concern or some some issue with, with his fitness um, because he hasn't scored since mid-December. And, uh, you know, as as the story has gone for Leicester in the, in the past three, four years, with Jamie Vardy goes their, you know, their momentum as a club. Yeah, exactly. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. He hasn't scored since the 21st of December, so um, without him on the score sheet, I feel like uh, Ihe Nacho has actually been one of the informed strikers in the Premier League since since that has happened. It's not like they haven't really been scoring goals, period. Last two games they haven't, but before that they've been banging in some goals. But Vardy himself, it's been over two months now since he's been on the score sheet, and you know... That that's a huge miss in terms of uh, in terms of contributions to the team for them. They they need him to be scoring. That's what makes them tick. Yeah, and unlike earlier in the season where they're really kind of going punch for punch with everybody, they have been losing to those clubs in and around the top four recently. Uh, Liverpool and Man U, they've lost to both of them in in both the instances that they've played. So zero for four against those two clubs, and yeah, obviously you know as it's been the entire season, the goal will just be top four for them. Yeah, I think so. I think they they would take third right now, no problem. I think that would be a successful season for them. Absolutely. And a team that I I would say would also take their current position as their final position would be Chelsea, who's coming off a win against uh, hospital living uh, Tottenham Hotspurs at the moment, Uh, a 2-1 victory. Um, That being said, similar to Leicester, not great form for Chelsea at the moment. They're kind of just hanging on by a thread as well. Yeah, they've been in pretty poor, poor form to your point. One win in five in the league. Now the gap above fifth place is only three points ahead of Manchester United. So it's going to be tough for them to, to maintain that. And they were humbled yesterday. I don't know if you saw the Champions League game yeah. um, yesterday, but they, they were smashed at home by Bayern Munich 3-0. Uh, interesting subplot there. Serge Gnabry uh, scored two goals for Bayern Munich. Gnabry, who was actually deemed by Tony Pulis not good enough to play for West Brom, is now banging in two goals for Bayern Munich in the Champions League last 16 at Chelsea. We could do an entire episode of, of the, the, the fall and rise of, of Serge Gnabry because, yeah, not, not cutting the grade at West Brom, kicked out of Arsenal after almost no playing time and is now 
like one of the best players in Europe by some statistical categories. But uh, that I think that's a story for a different day. Yeah, for sure. I think you know another another interesting um, thing going on at Chelsea right now is Giroud is back in the team. Um, he came in against Spurs. Uh, they beat them two one. He got a goal in that game. He looked pretty dangerous the game before. Um, obviously, didn't get on the score sheet in the three 0 loss against Bayern Munich, but played in that game again. Uh, I think they somebody they've really missed though is Conte. He's out through the end of March, and he's somebody I think who really helps that team, makes them tick, um, just adds a lot of grit in the center of midfield. Um, and I think that's been a difficulty for them in the last five in the league too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he, you know, as as one of if not the best center defensive mid in in the world, uh, uh, a huge loss at times. Um, going on the Man U in fifth in the table, just outside of. Uh, the Champions League. Uh, the player that's really impressed me recently would be Marcus Rashford. Has really, really, I, I would say this is kind of the the first real extended run of form that that has kind of put him in the conversation as an elite forward in the Premier League. Yeah, um, I think uh, rather Rashford, you mean Martial, right? Rashford out injured right now. Yes. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Rashford. Uh, Martial. So Mar- Martial as an elite forward in the Premier League, not not for England. Yeah, and what a goal from him! Do you see that chip in well, the last game? Yes. What a oh, peach when he went through um, and just looked looked like the chance had gone, and then just kind of dinked it right over the goalkeeper. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful yeah. goal. Another player who I think looks like a um, a great player as well is Fernandez, mm-hmm. um, who's came in, in the transfer window there, and he looks like he's got fantastic playmaking abilities and skills. Um, I think large part of the fact that they're undefeated in six in all competitions is down to Fernandez and Martial stepping up. And then I think, you know, uh, an honorable mention as well there for Mason Greenwood. He's been playing playing very well recently. And that top three of Martial, Rashford, and Greenwood, if they can keep them fit in a couple seasons, will probably be um, a match for the, uh, the, the front three for Liverpool if they can continue that form. Ooh, yeah, I mean, definitely on the on the younger side uh, than of the front three at Liverpool. But yeah, uh, quick note on that Martial goal that I watched that and I saw Cristiano Ronaldo. That was just like some some vintage vintage Ronaldo, you know, kind of beating the offside trap and, and just that bit of trickery uh, and the audacity to just kind of dig it over the keeper. I I loved watching that goal. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, it was a be- beautiful finish, and then. Just going on to Manu's upcoming fixtures, their next four games in the league are against Everton, Man City, Spurs, and Sheffield United. So this is a make-or-break time for them. You know, undefeated in six, as I mentioned, this will be a really, really key set of fixtures for United if they are going to crack into the top four. Yeah, I think if they can get nine from from that possible twelve, they will be you know looking really really good, especially with with Spurs currently in six. So um, playing Spurs, that'll be a a six pointer, and really playing Sheffield United will also be a six pointer. Spurs, unfortunately, really going in the wrong direction at the moment, um, and uh, I, I would say so 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 largely on the back of a number of pretty devastating injuries. Yeah, speaking of Spurs, they're sitting in six right now, so one place below Man United. Uh, you mentioned the injuries. Right now, they have no Son, they have no Sissoko, they have no Kane. All those players out through April at the earliest, so at least another month um, for, for them to not be playing. Uh, Mourinho in the press the other day was basically talking about how he wishes it was July already. Uh, <laughs> kind of interesting quote from Mourinho there. I'm like, dude, every team gets um, every team gets injuries, but at the same time, you know, you've got you're still in the Champions League. You're still in the hunt for a spot for for Europe to get into back into the Champions League again. Um, so there's there's plenty to play for for Spurs at this point. Um, I thought it was a little bit of a defeatist attitude from Mourinho with those comments. 
Yeah, I mean that's that is classic Mourinho right there. Just you know playing the playing the nihilist of of the of the Premier League. Um, you know you could always say some Mourinho mind games might be going on, but it it is quite um kind of. Uh, typical of him to to just be extremely blunt and say you know like we're not going to win the Champions League if if Harry Kane and Young and Son are out, which is a fair statement, right? They probably yes. wouldn't have won it even with them in the team. Yeah, um, but they were Champions League finalists last season, so yeah. uh, there's there's obviously always a chance with quality like that in your team. They have a tough run of fixtures coming up as well. Wolves, Man U, and Sheffield United included in their next five games. And then the last note I made really on Spurs is I've been really impressed with Steven Bergwijn. Uh, yeah. He look, he looks like a real find for them. Yeah, a player that not a lot of uh, Premier League fans had heard of previous to his January transfer over to North London. But I agree, he's been he's been really impressive so far. Is he a Dutch international? Yes. Yeah. So another young Dutch player. I really, oh man, I really, really, I, I like. I'm keeping an eye on 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 uh, the Netherlands for upcoming international tournaments. I think they have a great crop of talent coming up. This is assuming that international tournaments go ahead with uh, the <laughs> coronavirus yeah. that's going around right now. That could be oh, a. Man. Did you did you hear that apparently there's talk of uh, not having the uh, Summer Olympics in Japan? Exactly. Yeah, Tokyo Olympics may or may not get canceled. They need to make that decision here in the next couple of weeks. Apparently. Yeah, some That's scary, it. some scary stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah. So for for Spurs, really, it, again, it, it's kind of just keeping the pace as long as they can, and then you know may, maybe seeing how far they can go in the Champions League and, and maybe getting a, a Europe spot. I I think through Europa would be their best shot. Yeah, I think or that's, that's a, into the Europa would be there. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a a fair goal for them now, especially. I mean, you know, and Mourinho's done a solid job for them, pulling them back up the table from where they were yeah. with Pochettino. Um, but again, those injuries are are really tough to overcome. Yeah. Uh, so uh, from from a team that uh, you know had the loftiest of expectations going into this season to a team that had no expectations going into this season, Sheffield United. Uh, continuing their their really impressive form, it's seven points from nine uh, in their last three matches, and they're they're sitting comfortably in seventh uh, again. As we've said week in and week out, they would pretty much happily end anywhere, and especially now that they're on uh, forty points. So you know by the by the traditional standards of the Premier League, safe for another year, but um, it's all icing on the cake for Sheffield United. Yeah, what a wonderful season that they have had. Um, running out of superlatives for Chris Wilder, I'm a huge fan, and they're at forty points with Norwich and Newcastle up next so no reason to believe that they won't continue to crack on um, yeah. with, with those with those upcoming games I think the big thing for them is now that they've got safety secured in the league is they've got to target that European spot um, for the first time in their history we covered it last last time on the pod when we did a spotlight on Sheffield United they've never qualified in their over 100 year history for Europe so it would be an amazing accomplishment for them especially as their it's their first season back in the Premier League yeah, it's it's a uh, a more impressive but kind of similar story to that that 2012 Newcastle team, just in the sense of coming out of really nowhere and competing at at the highest level. So uh, all the best of luck to them. I'm I'm fine I'm fine with Sheffield United getting points against Newcastle if it means that they can continue to climb the table. <laughs> Interesting perspective. <laughs> talk, talk talk about defeatist attitudes. No, yeah, I'm right. Not, I'm not I'm not being serious. With Pessimistic that, Zach is back, listeners. Pessimistic no. Zach is back. <laughs> I would say just um, looking at the league right now, we're going to move into Wolves in eighth here in a second, but lots of comparisons. I would say Sheffield United 
um, with the um, the performance of Wolves last season and how they yeah. were able to get into Europe. I think very different, though, is the amount of investment that Wolves had in order to get there. Quality coach, quality, you know, um, European coach that came in um, to manage Wolves and to kind of bring them back into the Premier League. But Sheffield United have really done it on a shoestring budget. There hasn't been a lot of money spent on their part. Yeah, I, I think that it really speaks to just like the the power of organization and structure and, and players who know their their role in the team and are a coach who's able to really kind of keep that ship steadfast. So um, yeah, all the credit to Sheffield United on the, on the season they've had. Um, but yeah, go, going on to Wolves in eighth, uh, Wolves also uh, another team in uh, a good run of form at the moment. The worrying thing coming out of Wolverhampton is the increasing thought that Adama Traore, who I, I would say um, alongside Raul Jimenez has really been the star of the season for them, will be on his way to a bigger club this summer. What, what are your thoughts on that, Adam? I I think it's very likely, especially given the fact that, you know, he is a Spanish international. Um, I, th- I think that there's going to be teams clamoring in La Liga to come in for him. Um, and he's, you know, he's had a fen- phenomenal season. We've talked about him before. He's a very unique player in the uh, in the body shape of him. He's like built like an ox, but then has the skill and the and the pace of, you know, <laughs> you know a gazelle to get forward like yeah. that. He's, a, he's <laughs> an incredible player. Yeah, no, he is a fantastic player. Uh, do you believe him when he says that he has never lifted weights in his life? I do not believe that. No, I think he <laughs> he, he has said that multiple times that he claims, uh, yeah, that he has never gone into a gym and and lifted weights. So. I'm pretty sure Nuno Espirito Santo has likely spotted him on numerous occasions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I could see I could see Nuno Espirito Santo getting in there with the lads. <laughs> yeah, he could. Uh, he definitely do that. He's he, he's a pretty cool guy, right? Uh, is, as as far as Traore is concerned, though, one of the rumors that um, if if he potentially were to leave, that I've heard in the press this week is that um, St. Maximin would be somebody they target as a replacement for him. Um, St. Maximin, obviously his value has increased since he's come to Newcastle, Um, but that would be an interesting front three with Jota, Jimenez, and uh, St. Maximin. Yeah, I'd say that, you know, Sam Maximin, uh, quite a different player than Traore, but, you know, another really impressive winger who uh, is one of those players where statistics, like his stats do not represent, you know, his influence on, on a game. Uh, I think only only one Premier League goal for St. Maximin this season, yes, if I'm not that's right. mistaken, but has has been really, really largely influential. And, you know, if Adama Traore was to go, the, the fee that they would get for him would be more than enough to, to probably pry St. Maximin out of uh, Steve Bruce's lifeless hands, I would have to think. <laughs> very, very, very nicely put. Um, last thing on Wolves, just a good, a good shout out there for Diogo Jota. Um, almost had a hat-trick in the last game, did have a hat-trick in the Europa League fixture preceding it. Um, so 5-2 and two for Diogo Jota, 23 years old. Um, that front three, as I mentioned, are excellent. Um, Jota himself uh, is the one that's really l- probably least talked about of the three. Jimenez obviously is a goal- born goal scorer and Traore there. Uh, Wolves are a team to be reckoned with, can be any team on their day. Yeah, yeah, great, great team to watch. And um, shockingly enough, another team that looks like they can beat anybody on their day at the moment, Arsenal, as we said at the top of the pod, undefeated in the new year. Um, 
the behind Liverpool and actually Burnley, the third best form in their last five matches of any team in the Premier League. But um, as you said, Arteta really, really has kind of steadied that ship and, and got them to believe in his system. Uh, Aubameyang now joint top scorer in the league. Um, and it's it's all looking good for, for Arsenal at the moment. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends who are Arsenal fans and, you know, they finally shut up about the the doom and gloom. They're all they're all back on the bandwagon again, and you know Arteta in. Uh, so <laughs> very happy to have him as a as as manager of the club, and you know I think he's finally putting his stamp on that team. Uh, he's finally getting them believing. He's getting the blend right. I think of you know the traditional older players getting the best out of the Ozils, and then bringing in some young players as well. And Bukayo Saka um, is going to be my. Stamp of approval for the week. Um, fantastic player. 18 years old, English left back, Nigerian roots, um, 10 assists in all competitions. The last person to do that for Arsenal um, as a teenager, um, like Saka was, for 10 assists in all competitions in a season. Who is that, Zach? Ooh, doing an early 10 and 90 question for me. Uh, last teenager to have 10 assists. Oh, man. Um, what position? Midfield. Midfield, that's not helpful. Play for um, <laughs> Arsenal, went on to play for Chelsea. Went, went on to play for Chelsea. I don't know, who is it? Cesc Fabregas. Oh, okay. Well, he, a midfielder. Okay. Yep. Wow. Um, I mean, sorry, midfielder. A teenager. That's that's funny. I, I, I guess, yeah, that was a while ago. So it's okay. been a while, and I think yeah, the interesting that, thing yeah. about Saka is he's not playing every game either. You know, um, Kolasinac went out injured in this last game that, that Arsenal played in, um, and he came in against Everton, and then he came in in the 10th minute after an injury to Kolasinac, who's been in and out of the team as well. So Saka, credit to him, um, has, has come in and done a, a fantastic job for them there. He's chipping in with assists pretty much every week. Yeah, wow. Adam stamp approval. I like it. Yep, he's a he's a quality player. And Ketia is playing well as well, uh, somebody who I hadn't heard a lot about before this season. So I've uh, been very mm. impressed with him. He's chipped in with a few goals. Still no goals for Saka um, for Arsenal. We'll see if he uh, if he manages to score any goals before the end of the season. Yeah, so rounding out the top 10 now, the top half of the table, Burnley, as I mentioned, actually uh, the second best form in the Premier League at the moment, which is something that's kind of flown a bit under the radar. But um, yeah, Sean Dyche, every time it seems like his seat gets hotter and hotter, he is able to cool it down and, and just put Burnley back in that you know kind of firm mid-table position. Yeah, and look how he's done it as well. Injuries to his t- his front two. He's brought in um, he's brought in Jay Rodriguez uh, for for peanuts in the summer. Rodriguez has chipped in with a few important goals. He scored a penalty at the weekend, and then Matej Vidra Vidra. I can never pronounce his name correctly, but Croatian international. Um, he's he's a bit of a journeyman striker as well, but he's got two and two as well. Sean Dice just knows how to get the best out of his players. Great, great coach. Yeah, yeah, Deitch is back. Um, Deitch for for the England job after Southgate doesn't win them the Euros and gets fired. Maybe I don't think that Southgate's getting fired anytime soon, my friend. I think he's there in the long long haul. But um, for 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 Burn can dream, Adam. Yeah, I think if there was an opening there, sure, Deitch should be in the in the conversation for that job. Um, You know, he's 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 that sort of kind of man manager and you know person that you wouldn't mess with slash uh, would be inspired by. I think. Probably won't bring the best tactics to an England role, uh, but at the same time, would, would would probably be somebody that would come in and would get the job done for them. Yeah, absolutely. He he would play Harry Kane in midfield um, to, to to hold back the line. But but yeah, so so Burnley really doing that impressive 
job at the moment back to the top half and they'll obviously easily skirt a danger at the end of this season uh but yeah that's the top half of the table we're going to take a quick break for commercials and when we come back uh bottom half of the premier league All right, so we we are back, and we're going to jump right into the the bottom half of the Premier League. It's Everton uh, sitting in 11th. I feel as though they've kind of been in 11th regardless of their results for five or six weeks now. Yeah, he's. uh, So I would say for Everton, they've just been kind of hovering right around that mid-table mark. Um, Ancelotti has made a huge difference for them. And if you're looking at them from a point standpoint, they're on 36 points. They've certainly picked up. They were right hovering around the relegation zone uh, when Ancelotti came in. They're now 12 points clear of the relegation zone, and they're only five points off of fifth. So they've certainly got a good chance. Consistency's been a a tough thing for them recently. Lost 3-2 at Arsenal at the weekend. Um, Calvert-Lewin is somebody who I feel um, has been doing a great job, has now got 12 um, goals for the season. Let me ask you this, Zach. Do you think Calvert-Lewin, with the injuries that England have and the fact that Jamie Vardy has indicated he's not coming out of retirement for the Euros, do you think Calvert-Lewin mm-hmm. is deserving of a place on the plane? Yeah, I, I think you, you certainly can make a strong case of that. Um, for I think for, for England strikers, it, it is a question of like how many young strikers do you want to take? Uh, Rashford, if he's healthy, will obviously have that place. Kane will be there. Uh, Ings might even be there. It, it, it is a huge question mark of who will you know be on that 25-man roster for, for England. So I, I think the Cumberland has as good a shot as anybody at the moment. Yeah, I think uh, he, he's somebody who I think has been a surprise package this year. Uh, I was expecting more from Moise Keane this season and certainly less from Calvert-Lewin. And his form is really kind of, his, his uptick in form, I would say, has really coincided with the arrival of Ancelotti. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing about Everton right now, and I, I see that you made a note of this, um, the fact that Andre Gomez came in as a substitute in their last match after the way in which his leg bent uh, in that kind of horror incident back in November against Spurs. What an unbelievable, uh, you know, kind of recovery regimen he must have been going through over the last three months or so. Yeah, I mean, incredible recovery from him. I, I don't know who he's, what, he, what he's eating in terms of his diet to get him back that soon or how he's training to get himself back that soon. But Hillman San, the guy that was involved in the tackle, now out injured himself, might, yeah. be, might be taking some notes from Mr. Gomez. Yeah, it pretty wild. You, you got to ask yourself at what percentage of his soul did Andre Gomez sell to the devil to get back this? <laughs> and he played well as well when he came in. Um, they were they were a little bit unlucky in that game. One subplot here, I think, as well is the continued piss poor form of Jordan Pickford. Um, mm-hmm. Again, at fault, I think, for the winning goal. Could have done better with the um, with the Aubameyang header for the for the winner against Arsenal just looks like he's not playing well. Is he the guaranteed starter for England? Oh, man, it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think that as this season progresses, it seems like there are more and more question marks around, around that England team. I, I think keeper is definitely a spot where that is very glaring. Um, uh, we've talked about Dean Henderson in the past. Um, Dean Henderson, though, is he he's not English. He doesn't play for England, does he? No, oh, Dean Henderson is English. Yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking. I was thinking about the fact that he doesn't. Act, he's not owned by Sheffield United. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So so I mean, Dean Henderson definitely could be a shout for for that keeper role. Uh, Nick yeah, Pope sure. for Burnley Nick, maybe as well as the other one who's been Nick Pope. 
Yeah, that's I for some reason Jack Butland, regardless of where Stoke is and what league they're in, he he's always in that conversation. So yeah, yeah. We'll see. the Welsh Pirlo, Joe Allen, um, he's he's playing for Stoke as well, and he's he's walking right into the squad for the Euros. Yeah, uh, I will be donning my Joe Allen jersey heavy for for Euros this year. It may be my Joe Allen or jersey if I win the prediction contest. Act. That's a good point. You haven't you have not been able to catch up to me. So, um, <laughs> so 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 from 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 Stoke to another team that wears red and white. Um, how's that for a transition, Adam? Uh, Very good. Southam- Southampton in twelfth. Getting getting a, a good win against Villa in their last match. Uh, next three matches: West Ham, Newcastle, and Norwich. So uh, Southampton definitely will want to be capitalizing on this uh, kind of lower level competition that they have in these four matches. Yeah, they 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 went a month without winning a game, and then they looked pretty comfortable against Villa. Um, Shane Long actually has picked it up a little bit. So two and three games for both Ings and Shane Long. Um, I think they were heavily reliant on Danny Ings for the longest time. And then Shane Long has come in and is starting to chip away with some goals as well. So good good for him. Um, Southampton have enough quality in that team on 34 points with that fixture list coming up, I think, to comfortably see themselves over the line. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that they, I, I, the the phrase I can constantly say, I don't think they're one of the three worst teams in the league. Uh, they are not. So, so I, I think they'll they'll end comfortably in 12th, a, a place they used to be occupied on a yearly basis by Stoke City. That's absolutely true. And credit <laughs> credit to Southampton for keeping faith with Mr. Hassenhudel as well. Um, yeah. I think, you know, they could easily have fired him earlier in the season. They stuck with him. It's paying dividends now. So just goes to show it doesn't doesn't hurt when times are hard like we've seen with Sean Dyche we've seen also um uh for Bournemouth as well with Eddie Howe sometimes it pays to just kind of keep that little bit of faith for longer and not get the itchy trigger finger um and, and fire your manager too early yeah I I, I would like to see Hassanettle continue to build a project at St. Mary's uh so going back to London Crystal Palace in 13th it's no win since Boxing Day for Palace uh, and then they walk right all over Newcastle. So that was a big win for them. A 1-0 win, but three points nonetheless. Um, and yeah, similar to Southampton, I think they will kind of you know end the season around the position that they're currently at. Yeah, perfect perfect tonic for a two-month winless run, right? Is having Newcastle come to town. Yeah, they're go- going to Newcastle. Uh, no, that one was actually at, at Crystal Palace. Oh, that's true. I was yeah. thinking about it. Miggy scored that, the, his first goal at home against Palace, and then they beat us 1-0 in the reverse fixture. So That's true. I was thinking about when we got drubbed by um, uh, or when our, our goalless game against Norwich that we'll talk about probably in a bit. But anyway, to Crystal Palace, we, we can talk about Newcastle in a moment. Uh, uh, IU has kind of, after, after seeing uh, three goals in three games earlier this season, has kind of gone back to where we expected him to, not, not really taking a ton of chances at the moment. Yeah, getting a lot of um, chances against Newcastle, and to your point, not taking many of them. Um, the goal itself was scored by um, ex-Newcastle and ex-Mackham, Patrick Van Arnholt. Patrick Van Arnholt, of course. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's tough to see an ex-local, an ex-local lad scoring against us. Yeah, he was definitely more um, beloved by Sunderland than he was by Newcastle. I think he played like seven games on loan for us, and he played close to 100 for, for Sunderland. So definitely more of a Mackham. Than a Jordy. 
Sure. Uh, that that is true, but but a, an eagle at the moment. And uh, Crystal Palace, similar to, to Southampton, a nice uh, little run of games coming up for them. It's Brighton, Watford, and Bournemouth. So certainly uh, could could do the same as Southampton and really just cement their place as a mid-table side. Yeah, I think you know they, if they can get some points in, in all those games and get themselves maybe 7 out of 9, I think they'll be comfortably in the league next season. Yeah, so uh, uh, from from two teams that look you know fairly comfortable at the moment to Newcastle, a team that is standing on what seems like increasingly shaky and shaky ground. Oh God, really at the moment, no positives to say uh, about the tune. It's it's now no goals in three matches, two hundred and seventy minutes of absolute dreadful football, and you just I just. I, I don't know. It's tough for me to talk about it because I just don't see any sort of progression. I don't see any sort of creativity. And I think that's my biggest issue personally is the lack of just how things are being changed up to try to alleviate the issues that are that are increasing um, on time set at the moment. Yeah, I think I, I uttered the two words that um, most fans have been saying all season for the first time this past weekend. That was Bruce out. Um, and, the mm-hmm. reason, and the reason I said those words is because you know, say what you want about the injuries that we have and the problems that we've had. You know, no Shelby, um, but but Joe Linton, Almiron, and Saint Maximin were starting up top for Newcastle. That is, you know, combined eighty million British pounds worth of attacking talent in the team, and we barely created a chance in the game. It was absolutely piss poor. Um, and and I think what's really hard to take, and we actually had about fifty seven percent possession in that game, is just how poor the football is. It's awful to watch. It's like I make an effort to go out um, with the supporters group that we're a part of and watch the games most weekends. And I'm just, I'm getting, like, I'm feeling like there's better things that I could be doing in my life than going to watch this and spending money going and, you know, spending money down at the bar to, to watch this. So I'm just super disillusioned with, with how poor we are right now. Yeah, I, I mean, that that is everything that I've been feeling over the last couple months. Uh, uh, as you know, my, my attendance has certainly slipped within the, uh, the Denver Newcastle fan club this season, but really it is kind of that very defeatist mentality of like, I, 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 I know what I'm going to see. And, and that's the thing that your Newcastle teams of years past, uh, you know, even when we've been playing poorly, even in in, in relegation seasons or, or seasons we've been in that dogfight at the bottom of the table, we there have been glimpses, there has been that kind of variety of matches. Um, but this year, it's all the same. Like it's even even the games we win, even the games we draw, it's all the exact same play. And you know, through that what was it, six games unbeaten run that we had. Uh, there just never seemed like there was any sustainability to it. And really the chickens are coming home to roost at the moment. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I can understand people getting really, really more and more frustrated with Steve Bruce because uh, he, I think is really, although there are much deeper issues at Newcastle that we've talked about extensively in the past, like he is a, a very visible symptom of a complete lack of innovativeness and ingenuity at the club at the moment. Yeah. I, I think you've, summed it up perfectly i think there's real question marks that need to be um, addressed here at newcastle right now you know there was some a rough patch earlier on in the season september sort of time frame going into october uh, and we turned that around and we had a good run of form right after that i'm really hoping that comes soon because if it doesn't we're we're in relegation trouble here 
Oh yeah, I, and something that that has been quite alarming that we've talked about all the year has been the regression of of Sean Longstaff in particular. I would say that as big of an issue as that is the fact that we haven't locked up his younger brother Maddie to a to a contract um, who will be a a free agent in the summer uh, and it certainly has been one of the few bright spots for Newcastle this season. But uh, in the last match against Palace, Bentaleb and, and Longstaff really just looked completely out of sorts. Um, and again, I like you look at Steve Bruce and you you say, okay, one of the few players that's also played well has been Isaac Hayden. And it, wh- like, why isn't he in the team there? Yeah, dropped in favor of Bentaleb is the answer. Um, not sure that's the right answer. Uh, if anything, I'd be playing him alongside Bentaleb. If the if you're looking at the three of those players right now, Longstaff, piss poor form. Not 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 happy with him at all right now. Yeah, it's been it's been bad. Um, but you know the reason that we uh, we don't do a, a full hour of Newcastle talk like our, our friends at at CHN is because it, it's very difficult to talk about the club much more at the moment and not not a ton of interest that i have in in continuing that conversation yeah absolutely well well moving on from newcastle from 14th into 15th is another team that's actually in a equally poor run of form uh brighton hove albion brighton actually have no wins in all competitions since december 28th so pushing two months now and they've actually only got one win in the league since december the 5th of last year um mope got a goal really great point for them on the road against sheffield united uh, mope's first goal in nine games so a solid result there but they need to pick up some wins here soon and they have a really crucial game coming up this weekend against crystal palace yeah that's going to be a massive match um yeah i think that in the same way that uh 12th and 13th in the table were occupied by teams on the up 14th and 15th newcastle brighton two teams who are really just letting themselves get dragged into that relegation battle and we could i i could certainly see a situation in which the last two three matches of this season is just a question of you know who who is the least bad team uh who, who survives by the script you know kind of scruff of their neck and uh it's, it's going to be an interesting question yeah, absolutely. Um, on from Brighton into 16th, we have Bournemouth. Um, currently two points above the relegation zone, and they have Chelsea and Liverpool up next. So they went through that key run of fixtures uh, that we said would make or break Eddie Howes. They got out of the relegation zone. They're up to 16th now, but far from safe with those fixtures upcoming for Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, it, it is definitely, you know, uh, from 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 scrappy challenges to titanic challenges uh it's it's going to be really difficult for Bournemouth to 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 keep themselves alive this season uh we we've seen a complete lack of consistency from them and something that that has really hurt them has been the almost at this point uh almost season-long injury uh to Brooks uh, in midfield for Bournemouth you know the really impressive young talent last season uh and it looks like now he he might not be back until the beginning of next season which would just be a, a pretty a pretty sad thing to see for for one of those young uh UK talents yeah I mean four years ago he was wasn't in the Wales team in the Euros in 2016, so be really, really sad after the form he showed last season to not see him in the Euros this summer. Um, I, I, as, a, as obviously a Welshman, as a Welsh football fan, I'd be, I'd be sad to see that. Um, Bournemouth, just to wrap up there, of their 11 remaining games, only three Zach are against bottom half teams. It's going to be tough for them too, as as poor as Newcastle are. The teams around them have some really difficult run-ins. 
Yeah, so 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 going from bad to worse in terms of uh, upcoming fixtures, Villa in 17th, just outside of the relegation zone, but listen to their next six matches. It's against Leicester, Chelsea, Newcastle, Wolves, Liverpool, and Man United. That is stuff of absolute nightmares for Villa. Yeah, when, especially when you consider that they've just had three losses in a row, and two of those are against Bournemouth and Southampton, who are teams in and around them. Um, they, they had their chance to pick up points. They've missed it. Um, so really, really difficult times for Villa. And I think it hasn't probably helped them. They have the added distraction um, of, the, um, of the League Cup final as well on Sunday against Manchester City. Here's a question for you, Zach. Did Villa do better or worse than Watford did against City in the FA Cup final last year? It was five nothing last year. It was eight nothing. I was eight nothing last year. Yeah, of course. I was thinking about the league result for yeah. first city this year. Joint biggest uh, FA Cup win, uh, final win of all time. Of course, uh, uh, they better them by a goal, seven nothing city. <laughs> wow, no, no faith in in Villa to even get on the score sheet there then. No, no real reason to have faith in Villa at the moment. <laughs> I bet to, I, I bet you that City plays no more than three first team players. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think City go all out for it. Oh, you think so? Yeah, why? absolutely. It's a chance of a trophy. They're not winning the league this year. Why not? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they may be right. Maybe I'm just maybe maybe my pessimism has gone too far today. Yeah, we, Villa. Uh, I think another thing to touch on here is we, a lot of comparisons were made with the investment that they made to Fulham last season, and Fulham went down. Villa could easily at this point as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, so so West Ham, we're we're going kind of back to the first team that we mentioned today. Um, a weirdly unexpected, impressive performance on the weekend. Unfortunately, no points to show for it after that loss uh, at Anfield. Um, and yeah, they, they continue this this really, really, really poor form. Um, I, I would say, honestly, probably the most disappointing team in the Premier League this year. Yeah, and when you think of expectations of the team and kind of where they've ended up and the dogfight that they've gotten themselves into, um, pretty shocking from West Ham. They're a team in turmoil. There's um, complaints about the ownership pretty routinely there at West Ham. Uh, so, so just seeing the struggles that they've had is not a surprise to me in that respect. Sure. Um, the, the, that said, I think the quality they have in the team is a surprise. The The big thing for West Ham is just the um, the defensive ineptitude that they've shown this season. Um, they really haven't been able to figure that out. We talked about Fabianski's struggles as well. Um, they've had other keepers that have come in and done a poor job. So I think def- defensively they've struggled. And then they haven't really seen the goals that they would want to have seen early on in the season maybe, but certainly not recently from Al- Hall- Sebastian Haller dropped Antonio leading the line against Liverpool. Pretty, pretty interesting decision there from Moyes. Yeah, I, I think that it is kind of plug and play at the moment at West Ham. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say that you know a, a a good manager would would take only positives out of that game against Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, great great performance in that. Hopefully, that gives them some confidence, or maybe not. Hopefully, if I guess we want. Newcastle to stay up. Uh, Hopefully from a West Ham perspective. Get this next five for West Ham. Um, Southampton, Arsenal, Wolves, Spurs, and Chelsea. (laughs) The bottom feeders continue to get shoved into the dirt. Do three London derbies in there as well in five games. That's wild. Man, that's going to be some some entertaining matches to go to. Yeah, absolutely. 
So Watford uh, sitting in 19th, just above uh, the bottom of the table, uh, really have regressed to that kind of standard that they set earlier in the season recently. We, we did talk about Nigel Pearson. Would he be the man to drag them out of the bottom? Maybe not. It's zero wins from six now in all competitions. Two points from their last 15 available in the league. Uh, and two of the next three games, Liverpool and Leicester, it's going to be a tough, tough end of the season for Watford. Yeah, I'm feeling more optimistic about them, though, than I am a lot of the teams that we've just talked about. I, I just think there's enough quality in that team, and Pearson has enough grit as a coach, and the players will rally behind him. That there's a chance. I don't know that I'll, I'll guarantee it, but I feel like there's a chance for Watford. Um, yeah. Get through those Liverpool and Leicester games um, without too much damage. I think that they'll, they'll have a good chance as they go into the close end of the season of, of staying up. Yeah, I suppose you, in a way you'd rather get those matches out of the way now with right. the expectation that the teams around you will also be losing. Imagine if Newcastle go into their final game of the season home to Liverpool and need points to stay up and, Liver and Liverpool are undefeated. No, uh, oh, don't, don't, don't make me think about that. I'm, <laughs> I'm already getting sweaty as we talk. <laughs> um, so I, we'll, we'll wrap it up with the one team that will definitely be getting relegated this season. Uh, Norwich in 20th, they, you know, haven't, haven't really done anything impressive recently. Even getting, getting a vital one point uh, away at Newcastle a few weeks ago, uh, but seven points from safety and not not a ton of signs of, of hope for them. No, I think I think you're right. I think Norwich are done at this point. I think they've accepted it to be honest. Um, I, I don't think there's seven points from safety right now, and they just I don't know where the next three points are coming from to be honest. They were poor against Wolves in the last game, a three 0 loss in that one. Wolves are a great team, but just out of their league in that one. Uh, and I truly feel like their defense has cost them a place in the Premier League this season. They didn't invest in the summer, didn't really bring in anybody, but specifically defensively has, has, has been the main issue for Norwich City this season. They've scored some goals. Yeah, they haven't. I mean, they looked, even though they didn't score a goal against Newcastle, they looked fairly positive, especially um, in that in the first half, I, I thought they were really, you know, looking creative with their attack, a lot of overlapping runs and Mope was, or not Mope, excuse me, um, uh, Buendia was looking kind of positive going forward. But yeah, I think that recently they've yeah, just all, all but all but settled in their seat. Yep, I think I think that's that's absolutely right. So rounding out the Premier League table with Norwich, um, we bid you farewell, Norwich City, um, to the championship next season. You go. Yeah, back where you belong. All right. So those are the the recaps for the twenty clubs in the Premier League. Uh, looking at this weekend's fixtures, it's match day. 28 um and adam i am still holding that three-point lead in our, our little uh, prediction contest you are zach 30 to 27 right now but i have a good feeling about this weekend all right okay um so friday match we'll, we'll start it off uh, norwich uh, against leicester what are you what are you seeing out of this one adam uh we just talked about how poor norwich are leicester need to get back on track i see this as a 2-1 win for leicester I'll go 3-0 Leicester on this one. 3-0 Leicester. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to our Saturday games. The early game on Saturday is a relegation six-pointer, if you will. Brighton at home to Palace. Um, Brighton coming off a 1-1 draw at Sheffield United. Palace after beating Newcastle. 15th place, 13th. Where do you see this one leaning, Zach? Yeah, I think that Southampton be or excuse me, not Southampton. Brighton being at home is a hugely influential part of my prediction. I'll go one nil Brighton in the 
1-0 Brighton. All right, I'm going to go with 2-0 Brighton. I think they dominantly win this game um, and, and show Palace who's boss. Brighton need this three points uh, and probably will leapfrog Newcastle in the league after it. Yeah, all right. And next match, Bournemouth hosting Chelsea. Bournemouth sitting in 16th, coming off that 3-0 loss at Burnley. Chelsea coming off a 2-1 win against Spurs. Uh, I think that you know, Chelsea probably going to come out victorious. What do you think the score is here, Adam? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chelsea win here. Um, Bournemouth at home, but I think Chelsea have enough quality in the side to win. I'm going to go for another 2-1 win for them after their 2-1 win at Spurs. I'm going to hedge my bets and predict the exact same scoreline. All right. 2-1, I like it. Um, okay, on to Newcastle. Um, home against Burnley. Probably the worst possible time to be playing Burnley, if you will, in terms of the run yeah. form that they are in. But it's at home. So where? how do you see this one ending up? 1-0 uh, Burnley. I think that it being at home does us zero favors. You don't see Newcastle getting on the score sheet again? Um, three games without a goal. Why would they score in this one? Why not? Yeah. Isaac Hayden coming back in? Uh, yeah, Isaac Hayden, not, not particularly known as a goal scorer. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, as we said before, I'm back to back to being the, the cynical Newcastle fan that I truly am. Uh, yeah, I don't see really anything changing. I, I read today that Steve Bruce apparently tried to ruffle some feathers in training, but I, I don't know. I, I don't see any of the I, – I, I don't really see a ton of the players at Newcastle being too fired up by anything that Steve Bruce says at this point. Probably not. Um, that said, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw here. I think we, we, take, we take a point from this one. And we finally get a goal. Who scores? <laughs> I was going to say Joe Linton, and then I almost like wet myself laughing. Um, let's go with Jamal Asales from a corner. Oh, okay. That's uh, <laughs> rings of two seasons ago where he couldn't stop scoring from corners. I, I know. Like yeah, he's, he's a powerhouse, like Stephen Taylor esque. Oh, legend. Um, all right, next match, it's West Ham hosting Southampton. Two teams going in opposite directions um i'm gonna go west ham coming off that positive result let's go i'll go one one in this one 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 um yeah. yeah i'm actually feeling it as well for west ham right now the positivity from that um almost nearly ran also ran performance against liverpool 3-2 loss i'm going for a 2-1 west ham win here okay all right. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my Newcastle Burnley prediction. I think we get beat two 0 So two 0 versus one 0 Yeah. All I, right. Bur Burnley is so in form right now. I just see this being worse than we imagine. Two goals for Jay Rodriguez. <sighs> yeah, legend. Um, uh, Liverpool uh, gonna travel to to Watford for the last match on Saturday. Um, this is gonna be an interesting one. You and I both, for some reason, have faith in Watford, but. I don't know. Liverpool is Liverpool. Um, that being said, I'm going to go one nil Liverpool. I, I I feel like it's going to be a weirdly difficult match for them. Well, Zach, I need to pull a couple of surprises out here if I'm ever going to catch you in this race. So I, okay. I'm going to pull a surprise out of the hat here in my prediction. I'm going to go with a two, two draw Liverpool, not Ooh. losing the game, but Watford with enough quality to potentially get some goals in this one. So I'm going 2-2. They, they played well at Anfield earlier on the season, although losing, I believe it was the first game in charge for Pearson, um, and they had a narrow loss in that one. So I'm going to say at home, Watford steals a point in this one. All right. I like that. Yeah, you do got You have to be daring if you want to catch the king right now. The king. Get out of here. <laughs> the king of Corwin. Uh, <laughs> Two matches on Sunday. It's Everton hosting Man United. 
in the early kickoff. Um, uh, this is, uh, again, a bit of a tough one. I think that Martial continues his impressive form. He's going to score two goals against Everton, and uh, Man United will win 2-1. 2-1 to Man United. I'm going for a 2-1 scoreline as well, but I'm going the other way. I'm going with Everton winning this one. Uh, Manchester United obviously have that injury to Rashford, and I do think that Everton coming off that loss against Arsenal will want to put that right. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a good guess. Um, final match of the weekend, it's Spurs hosting Wolves. Uh, one of Probably, I, I would say, maybe the, the best match uh, from a neutral's point of view. Uh, but yeah, the injuries to Spurs, I think, are, are really pretty devastating. And uh, a pack of Wolves circling around its prey, attacking when they're weak. I, I see Wolves getting a 2-1 win in this one. Yeah, I'm going 2-0 Wolves. Um, I think that's a good shout. Um, Wolves specifically are in great form. And then Spurs haven't been fantastic at home this season, so um, I, I would go for a, a Wolves comfortable win in this one. All right, all right. Well, those are the predictions. Hopefully, I can finally extend my lead past the three point mark. Hopefully, uh, on... not, sir. Oh, oh man, uh, you got me there. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, wrapping up before our, our next commercial break, uh, EPL top scoring charts. Vardy finally has company at the top, uh, as he hasn't scored in about two months now. It's Pierre Emerick of all people, really climbing that table. Aguero still sitting in second for that silver boot at 16 goals, uh, one goal back. And then Ings and Salah at 15 goals. So yeah. uh, fairly consistent. Yeah, I think they're separating themselves from the pack right now. Interesting for Obama Young is he just came off of a three-match ban as well, and he still was able to catch Vardy. Yeah, he's playing really, really well at the he moment. He sure is. All yeah, right, so vital for Arsenal. So, yeah, vital, vital for, for their future, too. They have to hold on to him, uh, mm -hmm. as Brugia Dormand was not able to do. Uh, yep. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we will hop into our three remaining sections for the day. All right, we are back on the False Nines. Uh, welcome back. We're hopping right into our Your Microphone Moment section. Uh, one of my favorite sections in the pod, Zach, if you will. Um, a reminder, if you're interested in sending us any questions, uh, we do get several sent over to us. Uh, send them over to thefalsenines.podcast at gmail.com. That's thefalsenines.podcast at gmail.com. We have three questions for you today. A little bit of an international flavor to start uh, from my dad. Chris in Wales. Uh, interesting one here, Zach. Um, obviously, he's a Norwich fan. We know we know in advance. Which three teams do you think will be relegated this season? And which three players from each of those respective teams do you think will be most coveted by other Premier League teams in the offseason? That's a tough question. I'm, I'm failing to, to find players from Norwich that would be ter terribly coveted um, as oh, just... I can help you out a, there right away. Yeah, I can tell you the okay. three players that, that I've already... I have a bet going with my dad that two of the three players um, will actually leave Norwich. At least two of the three players will leave Norwich. Timu Puki, I think, will stay in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, that's... Yeah, he, he will. He'll get bought by, like... Cool by him. Maybe Southampton. Yeah, I could see him at Southampton. That's a good good shout. Um, uh, Emi, Emi Buendia. Um, yeah, I was going to say Buendia would be the one that I would pick besides Puki. Yeah, and then Todd Cantwell has had a good season as well. I think those okay. are the three that, that I would pick for Norwich. And obviously there there are dead certs to go down in last place, but who would be your remaining two teams that you think will get relegated this year at this point with 11 games uh, to go? The, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, for, for sake of 
an easy way to answer the second part of the question. I'll say West Ham um, because I think they have a number of players that would would be, you know, going back up to the Premier League. Sebastian Allaire, uh, Antonio, uh, Mark Noble won't leave because, you know, Mark Noble is West Ham. Uh, Snodgrass would go back up to the Premier League. Oh, I would think. Come on, you're missing the obvious one here. Um, Felipe, Felipe Anderson. Declan Rice and Felipe Anderson, I think, would both go back up. Actually, I could see Snodgrass staying. Snodgrass is a championship player. Um, like he's played in the championship before with Hull. So yeah, yeah. I actually we'll I actually agree with you on West Ham there. Um, and the other team that I would pick um, probably to go down at this point is Villa with that tough run of fixtures they have coming up. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. So who who leaves from Villa? This is you know this has the big question that that we've argued about this whole season. <laughs> would would uh, Grealish stay if they went down? I think Grealish would probably at this point leave Villa if they if they got relegated, and he'd certainly be the most coveted player in that team. Yeah, he's, honestly, I think he's going to be one of the most coveted players in the Premier League this summer. Anybody else from Villa that you would want to pluck, McGinniesta? Uh, yeah, I think McGinniesta could do a fairly good job in the Premier League. Um, I, I'd say him. I'm trying to think of if there's anybody else that really rings a bell for me. El Ghazi's El- El- had a good season, I think. Yeah, yeah. El Ghazi maybe. El Ghazi's also another player that's that's dabbled in the championship before. So Tyrone Mings, um, England. Tyrone, yeah. Tyrone Mings, I, that's who I was about to mention. Uh, I still don't understand why he's in the England conversation. I don't think he's that good of a center back, but yeah, he would probably get picked up by, by he'd probably get picked up by a newly promoted side. He'd go back to Bournemouth and stay in the Premier League. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, <laughs> uh, for, for that first question. Our second question from James, in Denver, uh, he says, uh, related to the uh, Champions League, where does Erling Holland's performance rank among under twenty breakout performances? Uh, and then a follow up: What is his current transfer value as a result? Um, Adam, I really got to hold this one over your head. You said that Holland going to Dortmund wasn't a good move in January, <laughs> and he has been unbelievable to be fair he was unbelievable um at red bull before that red bull salzburg um playing amazing for them too uh, i i think you know um in answer to james question about where does it rank amongst uh under 20 breakout performances i don't know that i'm knowledgeable enough to maybe say that what i will say is i don't think we've seen somebody with this much uh potential and this much excitement around a single player since the days of messi and ronaldo coming through um, and breaking into the scene, like I, I could see him being the next big thing. Yeah, I've been that impressed with him. Yeah, I, I would say that the 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 name in terms of players who have been kind of in that uh, that position recently uh, for me is Kylian Mbappe when he was playing for Monaco uh, as an 18 year old. Um, he was lighting the world ablaze, and then even at PSG when he made that transfer, still in his teen years at the beginning of that. So um, I, I'd say that Mbappe would be the most direct comparison for me. Yeah, Mbappe is a great player as well, um, but I, I just feel like there's a lot of hype around this guy right now. Um, Mbappe hasn't had the scoring prowess that you've seen from Holland this season. Sure. Uh, just, just incredible. Uh, and then circling back to the transfer value, he signed for what was it, twenty million for for Dortmund? Yeah, I think that's a that's kind of a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if really like there's a lot to put behind that question because they're they're obviously not going to sell him yep. in the summer. No. Um, but I mean, if you had to put a number on it, just based on the the perform, I think it's seven goals from four matches since he went to Dortmund or something insane like that. Uh, 
in, in the Champions League and and in, in the Bundesliga. So, I don't know, maybe put a $90 million price tag on his head. Yeah, cracking finish. I don't know if you saw that goal in the Champions League as well. That, that second one. Oh, Oof. that noise, the noise, the noise when it hit the back of the net was just like... That, that dude is a machine. He's so big, and he's so he, he's like a young LeBron James, to, to make a cross-sport reference. Just a physical specimen. Yeah, he, he sure is. And, and I look, at, look in terms of the potential that he has there. His dad, for, for all of that, you know, Alfinga Holland for, for Manchester City back in the day, um, just, you, you know, nowhere near that level of footballer. Um, good player, solid solid workhorse for for a lot of Premier League clubs in his in his time but certainly not the level of talent that his son is possessing right now yeah well proud father he is so moving on from there to our third question it's from Abukar in San Diego Abukar asks why are Newcastle in such dismal form (laughs) I swear I swear I didn't prompt him on this one Zach he he came up with this all by himself that's a loaded question. Um, uh, and then to finish that off, winning once in nine games and not scoring in three consecutive games. I I got to be honest, Adam, I feel like we've covered this question pretty, pretty heavily <laughs> enough in the pod today. Yeah, we, we, we sure have. Um, uh, Abakar, I think if you've listened to the rest of the pod, you know why. Um, we're, we're not great right now. Um, we're underperforming. We have no tactics, and Steve Bruce is not the answer. And there it is. All right. So three questions today. Appreciate it uh, from from the listeners. Again, if you want to send us in questions for the next episode, uh, shoot us an email, thefalsenimespodcast at gmail.com. And from there, we'll, we'll go on to Armchair Pundits. So uh, presenting our hot takes uh, for the bye week. Adam, first or second today? Uh, I'll go second. You go first this time. All righty, armchair pundits from Zach Pensack. Uh, drum roll, Newcastle will get relegated this year. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, like, the disillusionment has fully fallen over me. I don't, I, I just, like, I, I see us having this kind of too-big-to-fail mentality at the moment, and I, I could, it's, it's what, it's seven points separating us right now, but all that, you know, all that needs to happen is a couple teams at the bottom get two wins and we continue our form and we are right there in it. I don't want to agree with how you. About, how, wait, how about, how about this, Adam? How about, how about Newcastle goes into the final day with a chance of getting relegated? I mean, if that, if that happens, we're screwed. It's Liverpool. Yeah, well, all right. So, so I'll, I'll lighten it up just kind of slightly, if not, if not, not at all. But I don't know. I, I think that they're, they're, you know, even, even the, the players who do clearly have that bit of quality on the team, the, uh, uh, Dubravka obviously has been the best player of the season. There's no question about that. But Fabian yeah. Schar, um, you know, Lejeune, uh, it's just like, there's, there's just nothing at the moment to be positive about. And as I said before, even in years past, even in the relegation years, there have been some things that you can look at as, as a bit of bright spots, but this year it's just, it's been so poor. It is, the, this is like by far the worst football I've ever seen us play. I, I would say that without a doubt. I, I don't know that I can argue that, that fact it's been, it's been really tough to watch this year. Um, as much as I don't like your armchair pundit opinion this week. Um, I cannot say that there's not a part of me that fears that it might be true. Yeah. 
Yep. So, all right. Well, I hope yours is a bit happier than mine. What What is your uh, What's your exclamation of the episode? It's not. Um, it's also relegation <laughs> uh, relegation related. <laughs> Good lad. <laughs> uh, but it's not Newcastle. So um, here, here's here's my hot take. Not only will West Ham be relegated, they won't leave the bottom three before the end of the season. Okay. Yep. All right. I feel I feel like there's some stats coming, so hit me with it. You got it. Next five fixtures: Southampton, Arsenal, Wolves, Spurs, and Chelsea. Southampton, they have a chance if they win that game to hop out of it. I don't think um, with other teams around them and the games that they have that they actually will. Uh, even if they were to win that one, I think they stay in the bottom three this weekend. Um, defensively, I mentioned this: they're shambles. They've conceded 48 goals this season. Only Villa and Norwich have conceded more. Um, and I would just say that David Moyes isn't the answer. They just look deflated. They look like they're out of ideas. Um, it would be a huge shock to see them go down. But for me, it's looking more and more likely every day. They just look like a team without an identity right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, like you said to my prediction, I can't really argue with anything that you just mentioned. Um, yeah, I feel as though when David Moyes got hired, all the players on West Ham were just like, all right <laughs> like that that you know that's not an inspiring hire by any means so um yeah it's it's been it's been a very very poor year for them and, and really a really poor last three years um, with all the issues they've had with the ownership and everything I've, so it's, it's a tough time to be a hammer yeah I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all all right on to our last section 10 and 90s act first or second um Oh, let's see. I will. I'll go second this week because I, 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 I'm not going as hard on you as I did with my, uh, my diehard Watford Ultra questions last episode. Well, it's funny you mentioned that actually, Zach, oh. because I, I did say I would get my own back for the 1906 Watford question um, that you asked me last time. So I, I am going to do that. I'm going to very much get my own back this week. You know, um. Something that I, I think that is a is a fear right now worldwide is the coronavirus, um, Zach. And you know, which which country has been most impacted? Would you say by by the coronavirus? I would say China. And what is the league that is in China? The Chinese Super League. How much do you know about the Chinese Super League, Zach? Uh, not enough. Let's get into it. <laughs> All right, I've got five questions for you on the Chinese Super League. All right. All right. In what year was the Chinese Super League founded? Two thousand nine. Not a bad guess. 2004. Okay. How many teams are in the Chinese Super League currently? 12. 16, my friend. 16 okay. teams. Yeah, one That's of them managed, of course, by Rafa Benitez. Legend. Who is the most successful Chinese Super League team in terms of championships won? Shanghai. Yangzhou Evergrande. Okay. All right. They have won seven championships, and they're the current champions. Okay. Of China. Wow. All friends of the pod. That 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 team. Absolutely, all, all of them, yeah. especially um, the ones that I'm about to tell you about here. Which Chinese international <laughs> has won the top Chinese goal scorer award for six years running? <laughs> so apparently, there's actually a top goal scorer award in the Chinese Super League, and there's also a separate top Chinese goal scorer award. Um, so which Ooh. Chinese international has won the top Chinese goal scorer award for six years running? I'll give you some more detail. He was also top overall scorer and and uh, Chinese player of the year last year. Just a pass. Just tell me the answer. No, I, I'm going to give you another clue. He signed for Espanyol in January of 2019 and since then has scored 6-35 for them. So he's playing in Europe right now. 
I don't know. I, I, I do not have a guess. I know no, I, this is embarrassing, uh, but I, I know no Chinese internationals at the moment. That's terribly racist of you not knowing those. Wu Lei is the name. Okay, Wu Lei. Wu Lei, gotcha. 151 goals in 296 appearances for Gyangju Evergrande. That's a pretty great return. Fantastic. Uh, all right, um, I'll start. I'll end with one that you may or may not get. We'll, we'll see. Uh, two Italian coaches have won the Chinese Super League Manager of the Year in previous years. Um, if you can name one of them, I'll give you this one. Uh, and I'll tell you that the years are 2013 and 2017 that they won the Super League Manager of the Year. Italian coaches. Both very recognizable names. You've got a chance sure. for this one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Italian coaches, Italian coaches. Um... Moderati, did he ever go manage in China? He did not. Okay. I'll give you yeah. one more guess. Yeah. Um, let's go with... Um, oh, man, I'm drawing blanks right now. Let's go with... Ancelotti. Nope. Uh, Marcello no, Lippi. That's not the right answer. Yeah. Okay. Um, was actually manager of Guangzhou Evergrande in 2013. Okay. Um, and the other one, I was actually surprised by this one, is Fabio Cannavaro in 2017. Yeah, I had like I had like the, the, the right time frame of Italian, former Italian. You did. Uh, Matarazzi was that you were close there. Uh, Tianjin Quanjian was the team that he won um, manager of the year with. Okay. El Cannavaro. So uh, do you feel more educated on China right now? absolutely good job yeah good job buddy it's been very this has been very very beneficial for me i fear i fear repercussions in my future here uh, yeah, i'd like to think so um well but for this week i i kind of kept it easy uh and i actually went back to to my roots with 1090 and did some more hypothetical themed questions right. rather than the stat driven ones so um yeah just want to hear your opinions on some things adam I uh, there we go perfect so question number one uh, which Newcastle player gets bought for the most money this summer? Oh, easy. Alan St. Maxman. Okay. You you think over Shar? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shar's had a poor yeah. season in, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, but he's so dashing, that, that man, that Swiss international. He was our um, 2019 player of the year for calendar year 2019 as well. I did say that, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, question number two, what club will Pep Guardiola be managing next season? Manchester City. Okay. All right. A lot of a lot of people are saying Juventus, but we will uh, we will see as the rest of the year plays out. Juventus who lost to um Leon today in the Champions League. Yeah, I know that was good. They didn't register a shot on goal. Yeah. That's pretty amazing with uh, Cristiano with Ronaldo the, in the team. With, with probably the best goal scorer ever yeah. <laughs> on your team. Um yeah, pretty crazy. Uh okay. Um question number three is who will be the starting striker for uh, England this summer at Euros? Assuming they play one up top, because Southgate, I don't think, has ever you know played. He, he's just, he doesn't play multiple strikers up top. Ah, this is tough. Just playing one up top. Um, uh, if Kane is back, it's Kane. Um, I wouldn't be shocked let's, if he did say, something weird, like just played like Jaden Sancho up top on his own. 
Uh, really? I mean, Jaden Sanchez not a he's not a number nine though. Not at all. But neither is Joe Linton, and he's playing up front. Well, the, the, therein lies the difference between uh, a world class manager and Steve. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, no, I, I think, in all honesty, if, it, if it's someone unpredictable, I think it's Danny Ings. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, okay, cool. So, question number uh, four When will Newcastle score its next goal? This weekend, but. I predicted it. Oh, that's true. Yep. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about the fact that we made predictions with scores in them. Um, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, Jamal Sal's header, bullet header from a corner. Bullet header. Um, okay. Uh, in number five, kind of in a similar vein, there are eleven games match or eleven matches left in the season. How many more goals will Newcastle score? <laughs> You're so pessimistic. I hate it. Uh, uh, eight. Oh, that is that is extremely optimistic. Okay, I like that. I mean, I just I just feel like we have to. Yeah, we have no option yeah. but to at this point if we want to stay in the Premier League, and there's got to be some urgency there. Yeah. Okay. No, nah, I like it. I like your positivity there. Oh, I for- no. I forgot, Zach. I forgot I, to ask I, you my Welsh gonna, word. I was gonna say, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Would you Would you like it? Please. All right, I'm gonna spell it for you as I kind of show it to you this week. It's a. N R H E G. You spell that again. A N R H E G. Ooh, okay. I like this one. A lot of consonants as per usual. Um, we're going to go with this Welsh word, word is pronounced Anrech. No, that's not bad. Anrech. Oh, okay. Oh, Anrech. Damn, that was easier. That's more that makes more sense than it should i don't like that one <laughs> and what w- and what would your guess be uh what anreg is anreg in welsh means apple no it means right. present present like a gift yes exactly okay all right nice there you go that's good. can you can you tell me any of the welsh words that we have mentioned previously zach just a curiosity if you're retaining any of this great information i'm feeding to you each week didn't I get da? It wasn't that dad. <laughs> no, it was good. <laughs> God, <damn> it, I, <laughs> hey, at least remembered the word, so that's just not what I meant. <laughs> All right, nice. Um, well, that is our our thirtieth episode of the False Nines. Uh, we will be back in two weeks um, with uh, a new episode. Might might add some new sections. I, I think we'll we'll shake it up for the last ten matches of the season uh but until then adam footy thank you so much footy